640 Toronto presents Think Tank. Two guests, Toronto's top stories, commercial free. Now, let's meet the guests. Exactly. All of that. Uh, It's Think Tank. It's 737 on Toronto today. 17 degrees current temperature. That in itself bizarre enough. We welcome on Mark Saunders. He's the former chief of police for the city of Toronto. Great to have you as always. Hey, good morning, Greg. Good morning. And Stephanie Smythe, uh, broadcaster, um, quarterback of newsrooms everywhere. Is that the right description? (laughs) I'll take that. Good morning. Absolutely. Good well, by Good the way, <laughs> you, welcome back because you were you were on a trip. I'm not going to tell people where your private life is your private life, but you're on a family trip and got some sun. I'm glad you're back. You're and you're back, and it's 18 degrees. You probably thought it'd be six degrees when you came I back. I know. Well, you know what? We were in Mexico to celebrate some milestone birthdays in our family, and um, I will, so I don't mind saying that. But you know, to wake up this morning and learn about what's happened in Acapulco, I, I was in Cancun area, so. You know, no impact there, but just shocking that uh, they've been slammed with this hurricane. This look, yeah, this looks like I'm glad you brought that up because we woke up to it and it started around 1230 last night. And usually it doesn't catch meteorologists are just so on top of these. And this one caught everybody. This is Hurricane Otis caught everybody by surprise because it went to a category four storm from nothing in about three hours. And that usually got days advance notice. So um, they're waking up still dark right now in Acapulco, but there's going to be some damage that people are going to witness after they vacated coming back this morning. I'm, I'm glad you were uh, out of that range and I'm glad you're back now and not a part of this because it sounds Thank terrible. You. Yeah, it does. So I'm, I'm sorry for all the people of Mexico in that area, in that region. Like, as you say, it yeah. is very rare to see something get by all the the experts in the field like yeah. this, you know? So anyway, thinking about them today. Well, you weren't in the city of Toronto on Saturday, uh, but I was. And I know Mark Saunders watched this video. We all have. So we'll all react to it. Mark, plans are in the works for more rallies in more cities around the world this Saturday. I watched um, them bracing for this in in London, where what I saw, regardless of what we think about, um, you know, being able to civilly gather and protest and be here and be there, the police have asked the government, we need more legal backing here. We need more cops in the streets. Uh, London and Paris have just flooded with people during, I guess, what we describe as pro-Palestinian protests. What do our police need to do here in Toronto? We saw two specific things Saturday, the near breach of the Gardner Expressway, the anti-Semitic targeting of a Toronto restaurant that we all, um, I think most most logical people agree, just was way too far. What do our police need? Yeah, thanks, Greg. You know, on a good day, we need more police full stop without even having to deal with the issues that are in front of us right now. But, you know, the police have been doing a good job, and I've been watching very carefully. And, and to measure success, it's the fact that the police are not the story. Um, so they're making sure that they're nonpartisan. They're doing everything that needs to be done to keep as many people safe. Uh, but with these large numbers, you're going to have those handful of people that will just take it to that next level. And that's where it starts to get dicey. But the benefit is the fact that they've had an opportunity to see the behaviors. They've seen how the crowds are responding over a period of time. It allows them to now figure out what new resources, what new tools will they need to help prevent or block that sort of activity from going on, especially when we're talking about going on to Gardner or places like that, where you know it just will cause nothing but absolute chaos. So I think they're still ahead of the curve. Uh, With respect to government, you know, we're still a municipal agency. Uh, Mm -hmm. As long as our city politicians are in sync with this and are supportive, and so far it seems to be that there hasn't been anything negative towards that, 
uh, things are okay. But we're not London. We're not Paris. Those two cities on a good day, uh, they're mm. they're amped up tenfold to Toronto. Well, I'll stick with you just really briefly because we had former uh, police officer Ron Chinzer on with us on Monday, and he said he wouldn't be surprised if there was a call from Toronto towards the OPP, towards the RCMP, just for safeguards, just for reinforcements. Not dissimilar. I'm not comparing the protests. Not dissimilar to what Ottawa police experienced during the Freedom Convoy, where they were just overwhelmed. They couldn't get to where they needed to get to. Is that possible? Listen, anything's possible, but I, I, I will tell you this. You know, Chief Denke himself has been out there watching, listening. Um, the, the resources are going to be stretched, and that is for sure. Um, but I haven't seen anything to a great extent for long periods of time where it it's just has been chaos and mayhem. Um, having uh, the assistance for other things if needed, definitely. You know, he will use the tools that are necessary. Uh, but, you know, the Toronto, as I said, has over a thousand protests a year. There isn't any other police agency in the country that's as good as them when it comes to dealing with these types of situations. Steph, you remember uh, the G20 Toronto Summit protest mm-hmm. and you were running. I, I think you were I think you and I were still at the same station, this very station in, in spring of 2010. Um, and, and I would make the case uh, it's possible we were, but I would make the case that wherever we both were, that was an all hands on deck. We have to cover this. We know this is going to be massive. It, it We're not there every weekend in Toronto feeling quite like that because that was such a confined space and time. But I'm sure you saw some of the video of protesters trying to get on the gardener. It did flash me back to that 13 years ago. Oh, listen, I was at I was at CP24 then. OK, so, uh, just it was, okay. like so there was a whole other, you know, perspective uh, for me. And G20 was, you know, it was unbelievable. The, the station down on Queen Street had to be basically fortified and police were ready. You saw what happened. Aftermath of Toronto police being uh, uh, prepared for what was going on with the G20. That's a whole other story. But. You know, to Mark's point, I think that, well, at least with the G20, we knew there were a few, you know, bad apples. That's like a really minimal way to put it, who caused real trouble at the G20. But, you know, there was, um, you know, the confidence in the police. I think a lot of learning since that time when it comes to protests in the city of Toronto. And, you know, we've never seen anything quite like that since. And uh, again, I think that. You know, we're not Toronto, or we're not Paris, we're not London. We, we're not going to have a hundred thousand people on our streets. I don't think like they did, but um, I think that uh, you know, from what Mark is saying, gives great comfort even to me that they've been able to watch and yeah. observe. And I think as as long as you know, it's all about how things get spun and and spun out of control. And hopefully the temperature can be kept down with this situation. That's Stephanie Smythe. Mark Saunders is with us as well, former chief of police. You're listening to Think Tank on 640 Toronto. Um, This was a horrific story from Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, Five people are dead, three kids as well, all under the age of 13 in a uh, dramatically awful case of intimate partner violence. I want you to hear uh, from the Sault Ste. Marie police chief speaking to the media. He, uh, He can barely keep it together. This is Hugh Stevenson. Well, it's an extremely tragic situation for any community, and the Sioux is no different. Uh, these are friends and family of all of us, and uh, when it comes to the loss of life, specifically the three young children, it causes everybody to lean in and ask why. And so our officers are currently conducting criminal investigations. Steph, I think when we're in a big city, Toronto, or we see something in New York, Chicago, we think, um, you know, it's a different feel for a story like that. Unless you're 
tight-knit, and unless you're in the same subdivision, your kids go to the same school. This is a small town of 73,000 people. I, I, I can't imagine how that shatters a community, the school, the playground, the hockey arena, all of it. I, I don't know what prevents a crime like this. I don't have any answers towards it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, it, you know what? It's a small town, Greg, but this is a story that you know absolutely touches everybody anywhere because it can happen anywhere, and it does happen anywhere and everywhere. And, uh, you know, we don't know all the details just yet. Uh, we see where this is going. But, um, you know, you hear intimate partner violence being discussed in this kind of situation, a domestic situation. It wasn't a random act of violence. And they're saying, police are saying. Um, so, you know, it, it just takes us back to that discussion over and over again about how to prevent this kind of tragedy again. And, you know, all the conversations politically are getting stirred up again. And I think that if there's anything that can come from this, it would be some kind of action to do everything that we can to prevent this kind of violence. It, Mark, it puts a police officer in a very difficult position um, to not just not just having to investigate a crime like this, but to ask themselves in their own minds, could we have seen any signs of this? Did did government not react the proper way? Do we not have the proper safeguards in place, uh, restraining orders, obviously violent offenders uh, that own guns? It's like there's so many layers to it. And we don't know very many specifics of this case at all. But I'm sure this is something law enforcement personnel talk about and think. How could we change this? Yeah, I know. And when we talk about the intimate partner violence, it is something we've got a long way to go. Uh, you know, I remember when I was on in the 80s, there were absolutely no resources for this type of uh, yeah. uh, criminal offense. We've come a long way, but we're not near where we need to get. And when we're talking about someone that is committing acts of violence on someone, the the the, the flying ointment to this is that there is uh, an emotional connection to the partner and so it's hard for the partner to say things or for whatever reason they don't say things and i watched years after years where people would be too afraid to talk we really need to do put more funding into the prevention piece but also when we talk about the prevention piece it's once a charge is laid that that person does not make contact with with the victim uh it's 2023 there are technologies now before you just hand a piece of paper saying to someone who's at their emotional worst state uh, don't come within 200 meters off. That piece of paper meant nothing. And we have seen year after year with these cases where that partner will still come back and, and cause harm or death. So I, I think we've got a long way to go. Uh, but I do think that this, again, will be another reminder that we do have to have a, a hard discussion with real solutions mm -hmm. to help reduce this. And Steph, shelters, that's the biggest thing that we're not funding enough of. When you hear battered women's shelters are full, there's nowhere to go. Um, there's economic circumstances as well with people being afraid to leave. Times are very tough right now uh, for people going out on their own. And, and uh, every advocate I've ever heard, Steph, says, make sure you've got your own money, which is a frightening thing to consider when you think, well, I'm in love. Everything's pretty cool and Trouble's not on the surface, but there's so many, you know, sort of boxes to check to be ready to spring loose and say, I can't deal with this level of violence in my life anymore. Right. Sometimes it's just easier to stay put and then the absolute worst happens. And this is why, you know, again, the conversations have to continue, sadly, again and again to to implement some kind of structure strategy that that makes it not a oh, I can't, but you must. And here's how you do it. Mm -hmm. Let's Get out.
Let's move to this. Uh, and Steph, let's start with you. The constituency office of NDP leader Mart Stiles was vandalized yesterday. I didn't see it as any normal vandalism. Uh, it's it's meant to you know look like streaks of blood all over her photo. Uh, it's it's very threatening. It's quite awful. It feels very targeted. This is mere hours after she decided to remove MPP Sarah Jama from the NDP caucus. Um, what's what's your reaction to such an act uh, in this in this context, Steph? Well, it's just chilling. And it's, it's, to me, despicable. And it's just emblematic of the time that we're in right now and this whole, you know, what's happening in the Middle East, how it is reflecting here and how, it, you know, tensions are so high and everybody, it's so, it's polarizing. There's sort of no murky middle at all in this kind of conversation. And, you know, Mart Stiles did what she had to do for her party politically. Uh, you know, we're seeing the fallout for that. And, you know, my concern is as this continues, we're going to see more of this kind of impact or, you know, effort to silence or to intimidate. And so, you know, that is where, you know, Mark's territory mm-hmm. is, you know, one to watch and hear from, you know, what, what police think and do and, and how they investigate this kind of thing, because you never know when it's going to go a step further. Mark, what's your, your reaction to this happening to a, a prominent politician right in our city? Well, I think the world's going mad, you know, mm-hmm. first off, I, I, with, with Merritt Styles, I, I take my hat off to her because, you know, the way she handled it, she handled it like a pro, you know, mm-hmm. she said, there's a bigger issue right now. We've got very divided communities across the province, but I can tell you as a leader, her biggest concern will be her, her, her team, the people are coming yeah. into work every day, looking over their shoulder now for the next, I don't know how long and genuinely being scared, but this is a new thing. It's been happening in the last couple of years. So you know, it's Premier Ford and tires slashed at the personal residence and, and people hanging around. Uh, Mayor Tory, I remember we had a call there where people were climbing up the condo walls. So this is a new thing where we're crossing over that line. And, and, and it's, it's now affecting family. It's affecting uh, other people that would not be in your ecosystem if they weren't supporting you. And that's something that we need to fix. And, and you know, it, it hopefully there are apprehensions and hopefully there are deterrents put in place. You can have a say, but the moment you cross that line, you're in a different stratosphere. And that stratosphere should in, involve the judicial system. Mark, I mean, this happens just mere hours, as I said, after uh, a controversial to some uh, political move and a controversial person removed from their caucus. I mean, I'm sure that's I, I, I'm sorry, but isn't that right where police start with figuring out who did it? Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it will be definitely investigated with regards to that. But the amount of harm that it causes, and that's why it's done. That is yeah. exactly why it's done. It's fear and intimidation. And, and again, when you start changing your behavior because of fear or being intimidated, then they've won. And anything that we can do as a community to stop that and to support those who have been victimized that's a good day for the city of Toronto. Steph, I know even covering this during the pandemic, uh, like you'd be, you're listening right now to maybe, I felt like for 10 minute chunks, I was the angriest guy on the planet about COVID restrictions, but I greatly criticized anybody going to Doug Ford's house or trying to figure out where Christine Elliott lived or, or, or any of the chief medical officers of health. There's, there's, there's civil discourse. There's criticizing an idea or even a person their life is their life. Their home is their home. And I think their workplace is their workplace, too. Well, you know, their life is their life. When you're, But when you become a public figure, this is what you have to be prepared for. You know, I'm not saying this is right at all, but this is all part of 
what comes to the territory. And Mark might have even experienced this himself, either as a chief or as a, a political figure. It's just it's something that goes with the territory. But yes, there it can go way too far. We know that there is a measure of privacy that should be allotted to political figures as well. But, you know, when you're in the middle of a conflict, like what we're watching right now, you know, yeah. and it is so heated and everybody is so upset, um, you know, it, it's ramped up that much more. It makes it even that much more disturbing. And, you know, hopefully, you know, there's ways to, to you know, shut this kind of stuff down so it doesn't continue or escalate. I'm just worried. I, I'm going off the off the off the board here, Mark. I'm, I'm worried we're just going to lose good people who don't want to be politicians and they we won't want to be police officers and they won't want to be teachers and they won't want to be broadcasters. Yeah. They do don't want, want the public things? scrutiny. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was going to mention that point. So I'm glad you did. And, and that is happening. We, we are seeing that uh, in so many capacities. I've met some people that are amazing, but for the very reason of these types of things, they have zero interest. And, you know, it, it's a shame because these are people that could have tremendously positive impact on, mm. on helping so many lives in our province, in our city, uh, but they won't do it. And law enforcement right now, right across the world, um, recruiting people is one of the hardest things. It was hard when I was trying to recruit, but now they're saying it is even harder. So, you, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. And, and, and hopefully with a little bit of time, uh, we can autocorrect this because we still have the world composed of so many great people. Uh, but we have to protect them. I think I think we can turn it around. I've been saying this a lot lately. I think eras are eras for a reason, and they don't last uh, forever. So, yeah, let's take this uh, this era where we're scaring people from doing important jobs um, and, and, and turn it around and make it right. I got two stories that are a little bit lighter that we'll, we'll finish with. This story, very confusing and hard to follow. And, Steph, I know your husband does all the grocery stop shopping in the house. I know that. He, you know, he's dedicated. He's, he's probably headed to a grocery store 11 a.m. this morning when he finishes his shift but i saw this a no frills customer stopped from taking his shopping cart the push around cart of groceries into the self-checkout area and when mark says about a more serious story the world's gone mad here's more evidence he was told just baskets allowed no one's going to know this steph this can't be the policy this can't be the policy that we can't take grocery carts into the self-checkout area it defeats the purpose am i wrong I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I'm with Mark <laughs> on my, on shop. Okay, now it's shopping madness. I guess the only thing that struck me is, is it about theft prevention? Is it about, um, you know, they say it's about keeping things organized and, and, and a safe environment. And I, I just, it just kind of doesn't add up to me. Um, you know, you can't, you can't have two things at the same time, right? You want us to do this, the self-checkout, but don't take her cart. So that means you can only buy, what, 12 items? And then check. I just, I, I can't, I can't square this one myself. I'm sorry. I can't add more to this conversation. Except it seems inane. It, it's How's not. I, I mean, when we picture I, uh, Mark Saunders, I'm sure you obey all speed limits going up and down the aisles of your grocery store. Uh, you keep it at a good five kilometers an hour. Um, but, but these things are kind of unwieldy. Sometimes, I, you know, I've almost knocked a couple uh, kids over with a sharp right turn. I, is it, I don't know if it's to prevent that or what it is. <laughs> Next come the traffic lights. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of one of those dudes. I, I shop very small and, and I cannot find a short lineup. And, you know, I thought that the self-serve was a spot where I'd get things done quickly and it's not anymore. So people are showing up with those big carts full mm -hmm. of groceries. I keep hitting that button to get, you know, assistance and it takes a whole process. So there's nowhere where the 
person that only has 10 items can really get out of there. And so that Mm -hmm. gets frustrating as well, too. But I do think if they're going to do something like that, have signage, have a couple of people that have good customer Mm -hmm. service, have that conversation and let them know. And I I think Steph brought up a point. I, I guarantee you right now, groceries are so expensive. You know, if you want it smaller, you can see items. So there's less chance of loss prevention. Uh, there's less chance of all kinds of different things just to move the products through and they, oh. to have that customer satisfaction. All of that. Uh, all right, we got about, about two minutes left. Um, let's go to happier times. The Raptors start the season tonight. They host the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves at Scotiabank. They're not supposed to be very good this year, but let's go back in the time machine into the DeLorean four years ago. What a spring. What a summer of 2019. Steph, do you have a favorite memory of the eight weeks the Raptors had their playoff run and then eventually the championship and the big parade the next week? Okay, okay. You've gone to the right place. Good, good. <laughs> favorite memories, happy times. I The, the game, January 1st, 2019, New Year's Day, uh, we got tickets to go to that game. And that's when Kawhi Leonard had that you know career-high 45 points over the Jazz. That was an unbelievable night, Okay. And that's when I learned why they call him the claw, right? Because his hands are so big, just amazing. Now, at the same time, a dear friend's son, um, a goalie for the St. Louis Blues, Jordan Biddington, was playing. So we in our family had two amazing things going on, watching the Raptors and watching the St. Louis Blues, right? Both went Mm. on to win. And so that was incredible. Stanley Cup victory and then the the, uh, Raptors taking the series. And then the other thing, do you guys remember the shot, the Mother's Day shot, the greatest shot in Toronto Raptors history, the Game 7 buzzer beater um, in that series over the Sixers? So that that night was unbelievable. I'll never forget the fun, you know, that shot. And a guy named Mark Blinch, who's a friend of mine's husband, actually took that shot that won the World Press 2020 photo contest. um, Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, I'm not done yet. Then there's Raptors <laughs> Parade. <laughs> so we covered the, the Raptors Parade. Yeah. It's huge, right? You know, Mark will recall the shooting that happened during that par- or the parade and then the, the Nathan Phillips Square celebration, which was really odd how yeah. underplayed that was. But that's a whole other story for some time to dissect. And then there was Will Kawhi sign again with the Raptors. And this is where, you know, there was the... Maybe you might have seen the chopper following Kawhi as he came. Yes, the news coverage of it. Yeah. Sure, all those black following a bunch of black SUVs around the city. Yeah, yeah. Which was, which was, well, you know, I have to admit, a full, full fault in being totally involved in that. But you know, I, I'll never forget all the other media <laughs> outlets criticizing us for doing it and then taking our footage and using it. Isn't it so bad that CP24 followed uh, this chopper? Oh, look at them getting off the plane that CP24 got this shot in what they call fair dealing in our industry. So they took all our video and said how bad we were for doing Can't it. be doing that. We can't be doing that. Hey, Mark, yeah. we're, we're right out of time. Steph went right through the 24-second shot clock. She blazed right through it. It's okay. It's okay. Another time. We need we need happy memories from the past sometimes. I got to let you two go. You guys were great today. Thanks for this. Mark, I'm sorry. No problem. (laughs) They should know better timing. Bye, guys.